morning, Lindsay Lane North. We are so glad that you have joined us here at church today. My name is Becca, and Alan and I are so thankful to live out our dream right here in Elkmont of being a church that is in the community for the community. If today is your first time with us, please fill out the Connect card you received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out today. One of our pastors will reach out with a call, text, or email this week just to say thanks and to see how we can minister to you. If there's anything we can do for you while you are here, stop by our Next Steps table and someone will be happy to assist you. We hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy the service. All right, so I find myself in a familiar spot. Thank, thank the Lord. We are uh, having our fifth week of baptisms this week, and so we're excited. Man, God did such an amazing work in our children's ministry. Man, our children's director, uh, Cheryl, did such an awesome job leading our kids, and one of the amazing things that happened this week is her daughter, Sophie was one of the seven that came to Christ, and so she's got family here. We're so excited for the looters, excited to, to partner with them in ministry, and now to see God doing a work in Sophie's life. So we got kids that are filing in here, so we'll give them time, but Sophie, you can come on down, sweetheart. <laughs> All right, sweetheart. Man, we're super proud of you, okay? Super proud of you, what, what, what the decision that you've made for the Lord, okay? Sophie, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen. Well, because of that profession of faith, sweetie, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus, amen. And raised in newness of life, amen, sweetie. Amen, church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this celebration, God, that we see tangible expression, God, of life change, Lord, that's happening at Lindsay Lane North. God, we thank you for the ministry, uh, Lord, that, that are working, full of volunteers that are uh, allowing, God, to see this spiritual fruit week after week after week. God, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Now, Father, be glorified in our praise and in our worship. God, as we lift our voice to the only one who is truly worthy. Lord, be glorified in our worship today. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand together this morning and worship. Just one word. Just one word. You call the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. Come on. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. 
Amen. Just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch. about the power in the name of Jesus. He's changed my life. He can change your life as well. Sing this with me. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that I got. powerful but he gave his only son for us as a sacrificial lamb this next song talks about that it's called lion and the lamb all right hold on a second we'll do this again 
Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get it here in a second. It's okay. Sometimes this happens, but it's all right.
paid the ultimate price for us so that we can know him through Jesus. And so this next song talks about the story of Jesus. Sing this with us. It's called King of Kings.
Let's pray together. God, we're thankful, Lord, just for a time to sing to you. And God, I know that, that there's so many things happening today and there's so many things going on. But Lord, I just pray over whatever's going on. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and that, God, you would speak. I pray that you would find the enemy in this place today. He has no room here. God, we give you this service. And, Lord, we just pray that you would have your way. I thank you for our pastor. And, God, I just pray for our pastor and, and Katie as they're going to come and speak about something, a subject that's difficult to talk about in, in a church. And, and, Lord, we just pray that you would speak through them this morning, that you would give them uh, the words to say. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. May Jesus be magnified and glorified in this time today as we continue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome in. Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. Thank you for coming, whether you're tuning in on live stream or you're here in our 1030 service. Man, thank you for being here. We are continuing to trek through and we are continuing to encounter controversy after controversy in this, uh, in this Untouchables series. Uh, but we are excited what God is teaching us uh, and we pray that God will continue to do the same this week. If you're all visiting with us, man, we're so thankful for you. Thank you for being here. If it's your first time with us, uh, we've got a gift for you in our, on our in our next steps table, right before you leave, to the left before you leave today. Make sure you stop by there. We want to get you a free gift, and uh, we just want to connect with you for a minute, and so uh, we, we appreciate you for being here and appreciate you being a part of worship with us. We are in the Untouchables series. Those Things that we just tend as pastors sometime to avoid for one reason or another. I'm going to be honest with you. There's few subjects, especially in a Southern Baptist church, that are less divisive than women's roles in the church. Uh, there is a lot of controversy here. There's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of, uh, of, of back and forth. And I'm just here to tell you, man, it is a delicate and difficult issue. But I pray that as God, as we humbly uh, give what our vision is for North, I give what, what our vision is for North, uh, but also we'll see that, man, these interpretive issues, man, we make so much out of things that I know that God never intended that we make such a big deal about. And so to do that, uh, I have a friend of mine, great, great friend of mine for of 12 plus years now. Uh, as soon as we came on staff at Lindsay Lane, she was a part of our my, the search team that brought Andy John and myself to Lindsay Lane uh, way back when. And so I'm so thankful for her. She was our speaker yesterday at the women's luncheon. If, by the way, if you missed that, you missed a blessing. It, that was an awesome, awesome time. A lot of ladies there. You can still smell some of the chicken 
chicken salad still in the air. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but man, it was it was a great, great time of worship with Monica Blythe leading, leading worship and then Katie through the word. And so um, make sure you be, be a part of that. But Katie's here today to help me with this message. And so y'all give Katie White a hand. Uh, y'all, many of y'all may know Katie. She was uh, on staff here at North for a while when we were at the gym and then for a little bit while we were here on this campus. And so, uh, man, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for being here. What y'all don't know is, uh, you know, Katie is here. Y'all know me and my object lessons. So she's here. Uh, she's not allowed to say anything. The title of this message is actually Seen Not Heard. And so I'm just going to... I was kidding. okay with that joke. I thought that joke was funny. <laughs> There is so much nervous tension in this room. <laughs> People, if they're watching on them, they're like, oh, like they're really nervous. Okay. I was not going to say the joke, but Katie and Will insisted that I tell the joke, that I say that. So whatever. It, it, is. it went over the same way in the first service, it but funny. it is what it is. Uh, it's a good way to, I guess, to bring break some, yeah, break the tension on an otherwise <laughs> tense subject, right? All right. Well, cool. Man, we're, we're like I said, we're, we're going to dive into this. If you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 1 first. Man, we're going to be hopping all around. Uh, as you'll see in your notes, uh, man, we are... We're everywhere today, all right? And so we're going to talk about three things, right? We're going to talk about God and women, talk about Jesus and women, and we're going to talk about the church and women today. Katie, just kind of give us some preliminary things. You can tell a little bit about yourself, but give us some preliminary things where we're headed today. Sure. So my name is Katie White. I'm the InReach Director at the Lindsay Lane Main Campus, and what that means is that I am the staff member that is over our volunteer leaders that run many of our adult ministries. Um, was in student ministry for about 13 years before that, um, helped. Uh, with these guys plant north a while back and so my heart is here I love north um, and so speaking of heart let me tell you a little bit about my heart this morning um, we are up here this morning not to champion a gender but to champion the gospel and I want you to hear that first and so my heart being up here he you know I was very very nervous about being up here because my fear is that just by my gender um, that that someone in the audience could be turned off possibly and 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 yep. maybe not hear a gospel message because of my presence and that bothered me and so yeah. this has been prayed over um, and and we know that our uh, fear is not of God and so we are going to proclaim truth boldly and, and humbly and, and and I just appreciate you you know letting me be here I, you've you know, we've talked about this. Um, some of the women in this room may feel like they have specific gifts, uh, gifts of teaching or gifts of shepherding, gifts that may be a little bit more out front. And I used to always make the joke that um, if only I had been born a man, <laughs> if only I had been born a man, then maybe I could actually use the gifts yeah. that I feel like I had been gifted. And yeah. God has shown me recently that that is that is the enemy. That is the enemy there. Um, what God gifts you is first not about you. It's about the betterment of the congregation, those right. the church, those around. And so um, it's not about me, but I have been with the gifts that the Holy Spirit has, has given women that, that we are able to use them. Amen. Yeah, she, she has threatened to change denominations before. No. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, she is. Uh, and, and, and understand this too. Like, there's a reason why I have her here with me today, like I, I want, I want you to hear perspective, uh, not just from where you typically hear it. I want you to hear from somebody that's in ministry in the trenches every single week, and she is exercising the gifts. And we'll talk about this. Like, there's no variation of gifts. Like, only men get this gifts and women get these gifts. There's no variation there. Like, we all receive the same gifts, and so she is 
using those gifts on a weekly basis. So you'll hear some about that, but I'm, I, I'm excited for, to get this perspective. I know that may be, like you said, it may be a little divisive, but I believe that God has a word uh, for us today, all right? So first thing we're going to look at, we're going to, in Genesis 1, we're going to look at God and women. I think churches focus too much on what women can't do. I think for Katie to have those thoughts of, man, if I was just born a guy, even though she's joking and kidding and all that kind of stuff, even to have those thoughts, to me, tells me that the church is emphasizing too much on limiting the gifts of God, and they're focusing too little on giving people the freedom to use them to make the kingdom of God richer. Okay, so can I say that? I feel like we, we, when we talk about women's roles, immediately in most of y'all's mind, we thought about, well, what women can't do, right? We're going to talk today about what women can't do. So, so understand that and understand this too. These issues are highly interpretive, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but these, this is how I see that God has laid out the roles of men and women in Scripture. And so uh, we're going to lead in that direction. As a church, we're going to lead uh, in that direction. But the first thing that we see, right, is God and women. We don't see a God who gives different values to different genders. We see him treating them as equal. And so Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 27, this is what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. To this point, it sounds very male-centric. If you're unfamiliar with the, with the Hebrew, right? It depends on how you use that word, but it seems very, very male-centric. God did all these things, creating man in his likeness and all these things. But then there's clarification in verse 27. Male and female. Mm -hmm. He makes a distinction there. In case you are apt to think it's just about the men, male and female he created them. So what does that tell us? Number one, it tells us that men and women are both created in God's image. They have the equal intrinsic value placed in them by their creator. And we've talked about the ramifications. We don't have time to get into that of what it means to be God's image bearer. But we have that. We have both been affected equally by the fall, right? But, then, but God has given man and women the responsibility of stewarding creation. What does it say there? He gives them dominion over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, right? The same dominion that man has, woman has over as mankind over creation. And so he, he paints with broad strokes the, the creation story, and then he goes back and he specifically deals with the creation of woman in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 18, turn over a page and listen to what it says in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, the idea that God had made a helper for man, it did not surprise God that man needed a helper. Okay, does that, does that make sense? He wasn't going, oh man, I made male and female crocodiles, I made male and female birds, I did not make male and female human, right? He wasn't shocked by that or surprised by that. He did it so that man would recognize his need for the matching pair, right? And so that was for man. It wasn't for God. But God created woman out of the rib of man. I remember my dad always preaches in, in 
weddings, he always talks about the rib being taken out of man. Not out of the foot to be trampled on by man or out of the head to be ruled over, to rule over man, but out of his side, right? Out of his side to be equal with him and to be protected by him. And so in God's economy, right, in, in the perfect pre-fallen world, the woman is uniquely designed to be the matching pair and, and companion to man, and they were in unity. Adam and Eve, before the fall, were not wondering what their roles were. They were not fighting about who would be the person that was in charge. They weren't doing that. They were all equal. They were without sin. But it doesn't stay there. So, Katie, tell us, tell us about the ramifications of the fall. Yeah, so we get to Genesis 3. So you guys can turn there, Genesis 3, and we're going to be looking at predominantly at um, verse 16. So we see um, that, that, that woman first, and then second man, they fall into sin, and we see that sin always has consequences. So we see the consequences of what's going to happen because of their actions. And specifically, uh, the woman is told in verse 16 uh, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Children, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And we see this power struggle um, happen, kind of this hierarchy that we didn't see uh, before the fall. And for those that study women's roles in ministry, there's kind of two uh, different two camps of thought. Um, and a lot of it comes from this power struggle right here, the fall. Uh, we have complementarians, and that has that word complement in it. it. It means that men and women uh, are partners, are complements. Um, they are equal in value, uh, but they are different in roles. And so that's a, a side of women's roles. We see different roles in the family, different roles in the church. And then there's more of the egalitarian view, and that's going to be a little bit more, they agree that uh, women are uh, equal in value, but they also say uh, that power struggle that we see, that's because of the fall. Yeah. And they say, we want to get more towards a post-fall uh, you know, world. And so we say that power struggle that happened as a consequence of sin, we're not going to see that, and we see they're equal in value. And in this camp of thought, we'll also say they're also equal yeah. in roles. And I'll say this too. Like Katie and I, like we agree on the yeah, lion's share of most of this stuff. Um, but there are areas that we disagree in as well. And so when we look, we're talking about two poles, right? You're talking about egalitarian, and then you're talking about complementarian. And really, there's even more beyond that. Um, when, when you're looking at those, those roles, right, we, we both fall somewhere in the middle. But we may disagree on these issues. Here's, here's the point, okay? If the fall is what created all of this dissension, sin is what created all of this dissension. For us as the church to make this a hill to die on just points to our sin. Does that make sense? Like, this was not God's design from the beginning. And whereas I believe, tend to believe that headship and things like that are still in place, I believe we see it in the marriage in, in between a man and a woman because it's a design. It's how we, we see it also ultimately pointing to Christ and his church. Whereas the egalitarian would say, well, no, we're trying to do away with all that, right? These are interpretive issues. And so while I might disagree with some, Man, to make them the division that he is is only further solidifying what happened in Genesis 3. We are succumbing to temptation when we allow these things to be major that are meant to be minor. Now, we need to understand what we believe. But my goodness, y'all, do you not, we not recognize that we could, all, we could be wrong? 
I could be wrong on this. And you could be wrong on this. You're not the determiner of truth. I'm not the determiner. Katie's not the determiner of truth. But we humbly approach Scripture as much as we can without bias. And this is where we feel like that God is leading. Where I feel like, as, as the pastor and shepherd of this church, where I feel like we need to head. And so, so we look at that, but then we also see, so we see this, this struggle that's going to exist, and I believe we, we see it today. It's a reality today. Um, but we also see God adding value. The, the grand narrative of the Old Testament is not all the things women can't do. It's God using women to do remarkable things. Uh, look at the promise that God makes to send the Messiah. The very first mention or allusion to the Messiah, God doesn't make it to Adam. He makes it to Eve. Mm -hmm. He tells her in Genesis 3.15, while we're in Genesis, right, that your seed, right, you, the serpent will bruise your heel, but your seed, Eve, mm -hmm. will crush the head of the serpent. Talking about... God would intervene in history, and the seed of woman and of God would be who would ultimately bring about the Messiah. It wasn't about the men anyway. The promise was made to a woman, but we don't just stop there. That's significant. That's really significant, and there's a lot there that I'd love to unpack, but I don't have time for it. Um, but we also see Deborah, right? We see a judge that she is literally in a position of authority over the entire country of Israel, right? She is leading Israel before they are really rooted and established as a country. She's ruling over them. Now, God's design, right, going back to Genesis 3, God's design was for Barak to lead. But he said, listen, I'm not doing it unless Deborah comes with me. Right? Proving that she had the ear of the people, she had the influence, and she had the power. She was a de facto judge, regardless of what was the design to begin with. Katie, give us some others. Yeah. Another one of my favorites is Miriam. If you're familiar with Miriam in the Bible, this is Moses' older sister. And I love that we kind of see her in the Old Testament act as a uh, provider, a protector for her brother. She's the one, of course, that uh, makes sure that Moses gets uh, in, in the Nile and, and taken. And, and eventually Pharaoh's daughter uh, is there. And, and then Miriam's the one that helps provide, go get the mother to, to take care of baby Moses. And we see this just this honor of her just being this protector of, of, of Moses. And she's also a prophetess, which that means, and you can read about that in Numbers 12. Um, and what that means is anyone that has the gift of prophecy, those are revelations from God. And so she's one with the gift of declaring uh, revelations from God to the people. And she's also a, a music leader, a worship leader. Uh, they celebrate how she uh, worships publicly and, and leads ministry in that way. So she's one of my favorites. And then another one that we always, we have to talk about is Esther. Um, the book of Esther, if you're familiar with Esther, this is a, uh, a very courageous woman. She's a Jew who finds herself in the place of queen and um, hears that her people, uh, the Jewish nation, is in danger. And she calls on the king uh, when she hasn't been summoned. And this was something that could be punishable by death. And she, she courageously does it anyway. She puts her life on the line to help defend and protect her people. And the king hears about uh, this, that, that is maybe going to happen to the Jews, and it stops. And we see genocide of an entire nation, the nation that would bring out the son of God, the king of kings. Jesus was a Jew we see that Esther was used to stop the genocide of, of that people group. Yeah. You know, and, the, and so those are, those are like positional leaders. You got Deborah, you got Miriam, you got you know, prophetess, you got um, 
queen. Uh, queen, you have uh, judge. But we also see a spiritual aspect of this as well. I think one of the coolest things about God's word is Ma- Matthew chapter 1 tells us the lineage of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Within the lineage of Messiah, we see two women mentioned. The first we see is Ruth. Now, Ruth wasn't just a woman. She was a Moabite. She was not even an Israelite. She wasn't even of the Hebrew people. And so Ruth is a Moabite. Not only is she a woman, she's a foreigner. And so in that day, it would have been a slap in the face of a Jew to hear that Matthew has has tracked Jesus' lineage through a Moabite woman. The man, even someone who has even more faults than her, is Rahab. The second woman in the lineage of Jesus is Rahab. We know her as Rahab the prostitute, right? She was the one in the fall of Jericho that hid away the spies. And so she was not only not Hebrew, she was Canaanite. She was not only a woman, but she was a prostitute. So who she was... What she did, everything was against. She had three strikes against her, and yet she found herself in the lineage, in the direct lineage of Christ. Man, if there is is no clear picture to me, the value that God places on women seeing people like Rahab, like Ruth mentioned in that. And so that, that gives us a segue, right? Because now we've traced it to the Old Testament. Let's look at Jesus Right, Jesus and women, and how Jesus interacts and deals with women. Katie, go ahead. Yes, I love when we get to talk about Jesus. He's our example. Um, I love how he interacts with women. Uh, Jesus transcended the customs of the times of how he treated women. It was very unconventional uh, treatment of these ladies. He spoke uh, of women with honor. He he spoke up for them and to them, women that were vulnerable. Uh, He came to earth through a woman. We know Jesus could have come to earth any way God had wanted that to happen, you know, any way God could have designed that, but he came to earth through a woman. We see women were a part of his earthly ministry. Sometimes I think we think just of the 12 disciples following Jesus around. We forget that there was a group of women that were a very big part of his earthly ministry that also uh, served and helped finance uh, Jesus's earthly ministry, who learned under his teachings. Um, He had a lot of friends that were women, and two of my favorite uh, women that are his very, very close friends are Mary and Martha. So we want to talk about them. These are both sisters. You all know that their brother is Lazarus. So this is, uh, they're, they're from Bethany. And um, yes, I just, let's talk about Martha first. So if you want to write down the verse um, or want to turn there later, it's John 11, uh, John 11, and then verses 21 through 27 kind of give this beautiful picture of Martha. Uh, Martha has just lost her brother. And so she's extremely emotional. She's extremely um, just full of despair. And she knows that if Jesus had been there, Jesus had not gotten there yet. But she knew if Jesus had been there, that this would not have happened. And so she hears that Jesus is coming. And her sister is the the, the nice one that, that's waiting for Jesus to arrive. And Martha's the, uh, again, I just I go back to I love, I'm an emotional woman. So I love when Give I see pictures. Peace of my mind. <laughs> I love seeing <laughs> pictures of Jesus use emotional women. And so she she doesn't wait. She doesn't wait. She runs out to go find Jesus and she she is able to give Jesus her, her thoughts, her mind, and he's so kind and so gentle and patient with her. And she says, you know, if you had been here, this wouldn't have been. And then he uses yeah. this beautiful picture of this woman to give this lesson where he says, I am the resurrection 
the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he will live. And then he looks at Martha and he says, do you believe? And she gives a great statement of scripture where we really see her and Peter making this declaration in scripture where she says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And you know there's other people around watching, and he uses this, this woman and her emotions and her despair and her sorrow to teach such a beautiful lesson that Jesus is Messiah. And then we look at her sister, who is very, very different in personality. Um, since you're in John, you can just turn, turn a page. John 12, we see this beautiful picture of Mary. And a lot of people believe that she's also the same woman in Luke 7. Um, this is a woman that has expensive perfume. Fume, uh, of pure nard and, and breaks it, sacrifices it to rub on Jesus' feet and uses her long hair and her tears to, to wash his feet. Um, and then Jesus looks around at the men in the room, other disciples, Pharisees, I'm sure are there as well, and he says this, do you see this woman? I love that because obviously they see this woman. It's not about seeing with their eyes. He's saying, do you see her example? And he's going to give them a beautiful lesson on sacrificial giving and worship. And he used this, this woman, Mary, to, to do that. And what an honor to, to, be, to be that person. That's awesome. I love that, man. The, Jesus, uh, the, the clear pictures where somebody gets it in Scripture in the mm -hmm. New Testament, you know, is Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm -hmm. After, you know, he's sitting there on the sea, seashore, right? And then um, and then Martha. Yeah. And, you know, you're the Christ. So anyway, you're the Messiah. Man, that's awesome. All right. Uh, John chapter 8. I want, I want to explain why I feel like Jesus does this. Why does Jesus place this value? Why does he use women in this way to communicate some of these purposes? John chapter 8, verse 3 through 5. This is the woman caught in adultery. And listen to what it says. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What? So what do you say? They wanted to trick Jesus. They were trapping Jesus. They, they didn't want, they, you know, he, to say stoner would be to... Uh, be unkind, right, to, to galvanize himself against those people. But to go against the law was even more mm -hmm. condemning, right? And so what does he say in verse 7? As they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus said to her, stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And at this point, Jesus, if he were abiding by the letter of the law and by his own profession, had every right to pick up a stone and start throwing them at her. He was the one that could have done it. He was the one without sin. But he chose another path. What does he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Jesus recognized it. This was a woman, right? It's obvious. He noticed her as a woman. More than that, he noticed her as a woman in sin, right? That she had done bad things. But Jesus saw past all that. And Jesus regarded her as he regarded everyone. 
in the New Testament. Male, female, Jew, Gentile. Not in relation to anything of their physical attributes, but in relation to their relationship with God. This woman needed a relationship with Christ. Many believe that this woman caught in adultery could be Mary Magdalene. Like, or or it's she either that or the demon-possessed woman that he also heals, right? And so, so if this is her, in fact, right, that she needed Christ. She needed Jesus. And so even though the letter of the law said stoner, he went outside of that and go into the spirit of the law, which Jesus was all about, right? What did he say about the Sabbath? Like man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, right? He did the same thing with the law here, and he saw past who she was, and he saw that she needed Christ. He, he saw her for her lostness. And this was, how Je- this was the great level playing field that Jesus saw everyone in. Okay. Yeah, he sees, he sees her lostness. He sees her sin. And then that's a perfect transition to the cross. That's why the cross yeah. was necessary uh, because of our sin and because we are so lost. Um, and even on the cross, we see his heart for women. Um, John 19, uh, this is where he is looking out at John uh, and he's looking out at his mother. And he says, uh, dear woman, here is your son. And on the cross, as he's dying, it's one of the very last words spoken of Christ uh, before he dies. He is thinking in his dying breath about women and in particularly about his mother and, and seeing that she is cared for and provided for. And he looks to John and he says, this is your mother. And um, oh, just on the cross all the way to the tomb, we see the tomb as well, that women, uh, we, they were the ones that were able to see uh, the resurrect, that, the re- that Christ had been resurrected yeah. first. Uh, we see that they come, uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. These are women that are come bringing spices to the tomb, and they see that the tomb is, is empty. The angels are there, and they say, why are you looking for uh, the dead? Why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then, and then they have the honor of going and telling the disciples that he is risen indeed. Yeah. The first messengers of the resurrected right. Christ were, were women, women, right? That were that were there um, to to anoint the body. So, so where does the division then begin to to come in? Thirdly, I want to look at the church and women. All right. This is where we find some of the vision. Now, what I'll tell you is, you mentioned this in the first service. Paul gets a bad rap. I mean, he really does. Like, he gets a a bad reputation for being the man who is keeping the woman down, right? Like, that that's just because of the letters that he writes, some of the things that he talks about. And we'll talk about some of that. Um, he gets a really bad rap. What we see, though, in the beginning of the church and as it progresses, and Paul's a big part in that progression, is Paul utilizes... Women in the same way that Jesus did, in the same way that we see God adding value and utilizing women in the Old Testament. We see Jesus doing it in the New Testament. Paul does it in much the same way. But the first place we see it is at Pentecost, right? Going back to Genesis 3, right? Dominion and being made in his image were given both to male and female. Look what happens on the day of Pentecost. Beginning in verse 1, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. About 120 people were told. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each, each, each one of them. Every one of them experienced this and they were 
all, all filled with the Spirit. All of them were. There was no differentiation. Hey, well, this is a woman, so we're going to go over here to this guy. Right? There was none of that. Everyone received the Spirit. Everyone spoke in tongues. Everyone were filled with the Spirit that day. God used men and women alike. Now, Peter was the one that stood up and would proclaim the gospel, but God used every one of them to do it. God would send his Spirit equally on men and women, and they all spoke in tongues. But that's not the only place. That's the beginning of the church, where day one of the church, which is the gathering of God's people without Jesus being there, but, man, it happened throughout the church as well. Katie, give yeah. us some examples. And, and, and some other verses, you know, before we get to those examples, if, if you, you need verses to cling to, women, about uh, your worth through the gospel, uh, your worth through scripture, 1 Peter 3, 7 is, is a great verse. Now, this isn't Paul. This is Peter. But here he talks about women are co-heirs of salvation. Another one is Galatians three twenty eight. Now, this is Paul. Um, it says there is no longer male and female. All are one in Jesus. And then Colossians 3.11 is another one where we see uh, Paul championing that Christ has broken down all barriers, all barriers, barriers of gender, race, education, social status, social standing. Um, Paul and Peter and, and the apostles, yeah. they are for women. And these are some of the women in their ministry. Romans 16 is where I, I would go. If you're wanting to look for examples of women in ministry in the early church, you're going to learn about women like Phoebe. You'll read about Phoebe, who scripture calls her uh, a deaconess or a servant. Some believe that she was actually the woman that Paul gave the job to to deliver the book of Romans to the Romans. Um, so what an honor that must have been. I'm sure if there were any questions or anything that the, the, the new church maybe may not understand, she was the one that was delivering the letter. So she would have been the one equipped to answer those questions and to teach there. And so that is Phoebe. You see Priscilla and Aquila. This is a family pair, a husband and a wife um, that had a family church and taught and served together. Some will say since Priscilla's name is written first, it's kind of unconventional. We don't see that a lot. It may mean that she was you know, maybe the more out front teacher of the pair. We don't know. Um, but we see Priscilla and Aquila. We see Lydia. She would open her home. Uh, she was a, a wealthy businesswoman. Um, and she served. And then another one that's very interesting. This is Romans 16, 7. Um, a, a new individual that I wasn't very familiar with and learned about in my studies. Um, you may, your Bible may say the name Junius. All right. And um, it says Junius was uh, an apostle in good standing. Some translations say good standing with the apostles. But but when you do some, some research, you see that Junius was not a common name for men back then. But Junia was a very common name for women. So this very well could have been a woman. Um, some translations, I think you had said, mm -hmm. use the word Junia. This yeah. could have been a woman, a woman that was called an apostle or in very, very good standing with the apostles. Well, women are involved in ministry yeah. in the early church. Yeah. I, I love you, you brought up there's neither Jew nor Greek mm -hmm. nor male or female. Uh, nor Scythian or free, right? Like, like they, they, he brings up these things. What does that tell us? In light of the gospel, in light of the revelation of Jesus, these are secondary issues. Mm -hmm. They're secondary issues. And so we shouldn't build our whole ideology around things 
of secondary importance. Does that make, does, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear where I'm coming from uh, in that? So the part of the, the grand narrative of Scripture is that God draws men and women to himself. He utilizes them both in drawing others to himself, but the lion's share of our attention in the church always seem to revolve around some of the teachings of Paul and in his letter. So Paul used women and relied on women in ministry, depended on them to get places safely and to communicate his correspondence, all of these things. But we do find examples, right? Like when you walk up the be seen and not heard, women keep silent. Paul writes that. And so we, but we need to understand that in the context that it was written. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 35, right? If if we just take Scripture out of context and we read this, then obviously what we're doing here is against mm-hmm. Scripture, right? For, right? for you to stand here with me is against Scripture. And, and it, but again, we can't take and pull Scripture out of the context that it was written. Listen to what it says, 1 Corinthians 14, 33-35. And I have, man, I'm just messing up all words today. All right, uh, listen to what it says. I'm struggling. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That's key, by the way. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. Mm-hmm. Well, darn, Paul, right? For they are not permitted to speak, <laughs> but should be in submission as the law also says. And then he turns the knife even more, right? What does he say? If there is anything that they desire to learn... Let them ask of their husbands at home as they're making him a sandwich or whatever, right? For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. That's, that's, when you read this scripture, that is immediately what it sounds like he is saying. Like he is putting women in their place. But man, there's some key considerations that we have to make about this passage of scripture. And to say, man, I take scripture for face value is great, but you better be a student of God's word and understand the book of Corinthians, y'all, wasn't written to us. Now, it is written for us and it is useful for us, but it was not written to you. When Paul sat down to write First and Second Corinthians, he was not sitting down with you in mind. He wasn't thinking about Elkmont, Alabama. And so we have to understand it in the context of the Corinthians. Katie, give us some, shed yes. some light on that. So context, you got to look at that scripture around it and see what's going on with the Corinthian church. And so in chapter 10, verse 23 and 24 is kind of going to tell you what's been going on with this church. So that's 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. And what we see with these women is that they were misusing their newfound freedoms in Christ. They had not received the training or the education that had been available to the men of that time. But they have these, you know, these gifts, these desires now to tell others, uh, to proclaim good news. And they're doing it in a fashion that's causing confusion, disorder, and it's not benefiting those who are hearing. And so Paul asking them to be quiet quiet is because it was becoming a a show more about themselves and yes it is permissible but it's not beneficial for those around them we also see it with head coverings you know uh 
proclaiming and prophesying and teaching but not wearing a head covering. Yeah. And, and again, it's becoming about themselves and what they can do now with their new freedoms, but it's not benefiting yeah. those around them. Yeah. It's causing chaos. And we, cher- we cherry pick. We read this passage and say women keep silent, but we don't think about the head covering passage. We don't enforce that with the same level of strictness that if we're going to have worship leaders up here that are women, they need to have their head coverings on. They certainly they just don't need to lead worship because they're they're to be silent like there's so many things that we we allow but then there's there's arbitrary lines that we draw and that's what we're we're talking about here the issue is unity this is the issue paul is talking about genders because he is addressing unity issues in the church of corinth and by the way he does the same thing in ephesus right does the same thing with timothy who is pastor in ephesus Right? He's addressing concerns. Y'all, he has just, in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that I just read, before he deals with this, he deals with a gift of the Spirit. He ge- deals with the gift of tongues. And so people in Corinth are coming in, and they're speaking in tongues, and people are walking into church going, what are they thinking? Like, what are what in the okay? You know, like, hey, how are you this morning? No, 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 no. You know, you know, there's confusion going on. Now, listen, tongues is a recognized gift of the spirit, but Paul would say, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue than ten thousand in an unknown tongue. He's not delegitimizing tongues. Because it is a gift of God, but he is addressing, it's becoming an issue of unity. And so when we use our gifts or who we are, whether we're championing a cause or, or a gift or a gender, he's saying these people are coming to church and they're championing the wrong things. And as a result, the kingdom of God, the Savior, is being diminished. People's pride is standing in the way of the gospel. And so he says, listen, don't speak in tongues. Like just, just don't. And if you do, make sure it is done in order or you need to address it. Listen, he talked about all kinds of stuff in 1 Corinthians. They were an immensely divided church. Very divided. Very young in their faith. But very divided. They, he would address sin. That some of their people were sleeping with family members and would come in and brag about it. And obviously that May weirded people out, right? And so he said, look, don't do that. Like He deals with all of it, but yet we, we highlight and put this on a pedestal. And so there's, there's cultural things. You know, you brought up a woman would not have been educated at the day. That's just the, the, the reality of culture of that time. And so for a woman to speak would be to speak out of what she didn't understand, causing greater division. And so this is why Paul organized it the way that he did. Right? And so we have to understand everything in context. Now, could we be wrong? Could he have meant women in every church, in every way, in every time to be silent in the church? I could be wrong in this. He could have. But how I interpret scripture, this is the direction that God, I believe, has laid on my heart to lead this body of believers. Okay, and so and so this is as humbly as I know how. This is how I interpret these texts. Paul addresses all the sin of the church, and even early in the chapter, uh, he dis- discusses tongues. But but these are divisive issues. The issue, the means, the end is not gender. The end is unity amongst the body. That's going to 
proclaim the name of Jesus without hindrance. And this is what we're driving at. This is what we emphasize above all else. That's why it's even weird for me to preach this on a Sunday morning because it brings such emphasis and opportunity for division. But I believe we need to know what Scripture teaches on it. Katie, do you want to give us some, some final words, final thoughts? I know you want to get to John 17, so sure, go sure. ahead. So we will be going to John 17, but uh, again, I think the key word in all of this that, that Alan has said is, is unity. And I just want you to know that you are in a church that takes that verse from Genesis that says it's not good that man should be alone. He sees that in ministry too, and Alan yeah. utilizes women in ministry because it's not good for a man to be alone in ministry. Yeah. It's good to have perspective of those that are, are, are different and not like us and, and for them to have a say. And So you are in a church that highly values unity, and, and we see that back uh, all the way through Scripture about how, and we talked about this a little bit at the women's, uh, the women's luncheon yesterday, but from page one, we see unity with God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we see unity, so God with himself and God with his creation in perfect unity. And then we see in the middle of the Bible, right? So that was beginning. Then we see the middle, the middle, the cross. We see that the cross is all about unity. Jesus cared so much about us being unified with his Father that he died for us so that we could be unified with his Father. And then go to the very end. We see in the consummation, the end, where Jesus returns to take us, his bride, back. We will be perfectly unified and dwelling with him without the uh, without sin, the, the absence of the curse. Um, unity is literally being cried out from the beginning all the way uh, to the end. And so that that's my heart for here is that you all will be unified in your love for one another, that you will see each other as valuable, um, and also your love for the scriptures, that you will go home, you will dive deep into these scriptures, pray in humility. Don't be so um, married to a specific way of thought that the Lord is not able to refine. Because I'll just be honest, the, the more I study, the more I learn, my beliefs are refined. And, um, and, that, and that's a good thing. That's God t teaching me as I, as I study. So love scriptures, love all the scriptures. Look at the totality of scripture. Don't just cherry pick certain passages, but study the whole yeah. the, the whole totality of scripture and learn to look at context. Le learn to look at uh, how did they live? What was going on with this specific church? Uh, look at who it was written to um, and, and, and make sure that you're studying scripture uh, just through the lens of what was going on at that time. And as you grow in unity, I know women like you, you will be utilized here. You yeah. will be utilized here in ministry. It's so important for young girls and, and even young boys to be able to look up and see vibrant women leaders that surpass their elementary years. They need, they need to see that. They need to see um, women in ministry leading. Yeah. I hope they marry a woman like that who wants to be, yeah. you know, Part for the sons and marry Absolutely. a woman to be vibrant in ministry and leadership. They need to see that. And here at this church, you will be utilized with your gifts, and, and you should be very grateful for that. Awesome. Y'all give Katie a hand. Thank you so much, Katie. So there, there's a spectrum, obviously, right, that we've got those that, you know, you got the women keep silence, you got the egalitarian that all of this is done away. And if we're not careful, man, we'll look at, we'll look at brothers and sisters in Christ that Christ equally died for and that have equal place in the kingdom of heaven. And we'll go, man, that person's a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal because he believes that women should be silent in the church. Like, how dare that person? I can't believe them. Obviously, they don't have Jesus. And then 
Some of the traditionalists, some of the ones that, that have believed that, will look over at this group and go, well, they're just a bunch of hippies, right? They're just, they're just a bunch of people that are bending to the cultural nuances of the day, right? And they're not standing on the truth of Scripture. Can I just tell you, church, if we're going to be unified, we've, we've got to come to a balance. We've got to come to an understanding, right? We, we want to see you used for the kingdom of God. That's what we want. And you know, because we've talked about it when we talked about church politics, um, we will probably never have women called deacons at our church. But in my mind, I believe we have women functioning as deacons in our church. They were appointed by me as the elder to meet a need in our church. Now, we call them directors because why? Why? Why do we do that? Well, you're, you're, a woman's not going to like that. I don't want to be divisive. There's no reason to be. Why would we be that way? Why would we give somebody an opportunity to stumble? But we, I do believe that God has given man the position of headship. I do believe it, we see it from the fall, that it's, it becomes a design from the fall. It's a consequence of the fall. But I believe that we still function that way. I believe our homes should function that way with a man as a leader. And so for that reason, when we talk about elders, talk about pastors, talk about vision setters, I believe that most effectively is done through men, but the bottom of the li- bottom line is, man, we need to be about the gospel. Man, if you're uncomfortable with what we've talked about today, or you're maybe too comfortable with what we've talked about today, maybe there, there may be something something going on wrong in your spiritual life. Man, we should be known for what we stand for, not for what we stand against. And so this is my desire as, as a church. I, I desire to let everybody, see every person reach their potential using their gifts toward kingdom purpose, to make king, the kingdom of heaven sweeter. And you've heard me say, to make it harder. Every one of us, man, woman, child, to make it harder to go to hell from Elkmont because of what we do here, all right? And so that's where we are. But here's the thing, guys. In, in a sermon, even as, 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 as seemingly off topic as it is, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is the gospel. It's the only thing that can unify. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to know that none of this matters. I want you to hear this. Jesus died for you. He loved you and thought enough of you to die for you, to give himself over for you. He sacrificed his life for yours. And in turn, you can receive his righteousness because of his death that he died for your sin and for my sin. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, regardless of what we've talked about today, I want you to know that you can respond to that message. I want you to hear that above anything else today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we enter a time of invitation? Man, I would invite you to respond to Jesus today. If you're here and you know that you don't, you're out operating outside of a relationship with Christ, there's never been a time in your life where you've surrendered your life, your sin, your plans, your desires for you. You surrendered that and you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, then you're the most important person in this room. Regardless of what man would what category that man or this world would put you in. Looking past all of that, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. But if you're here and you don't have that relationship, 
man, don't leave today without getting that right. And in just a moment, when I say amen, I'd love for you to come find a center aisle, find me here at the front. We've got counselors who'd love to talk to you about any decision that you need to make today. Don't allow this moment to slip by without responding. Father, have your will and way in this place. God, we love you. We trust you. Lord, there's a lot we don't understand. But God, what we know, what we know is he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. And I pray that nothing but the risen Christ would motivate any of our actions in this time of response. Pray for one that needs to respond in salvation. Pray for one that needs to respond in some other way, membership or in baptism as Sophie has set the example for us of that first step of obedience. Whatever the case may be, pray that we would respond to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? Please come. Whatever it is the Lord has laid on your heart, this altar is open if you need to pray about anything, intercede for anyone. Would you move? Maybe it's for you. Would you come? I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again. got some announcements, but before we do that, I want to remind you, listen, if you made a decision today and for whatever reason did not respond, uh, there's a way to, to let us know that in the Connect card. Please fill that out. Let us know what decision you've made. Drop it in the offering bucket on your way out. If you're listening online, you can do that on the initial post. It'll connect you to our digital Connect card. You can do that very same thing. Submit that, and we will follow up with you this week. All right? Y'all check out these announcements, and we'll be dismissed. Good morning, North family. I've got a few announcements before we leave. First, the Elkmont Elementary School open house is August 5th, and we're helping the school by grilling and serving hot dogs, as well as setting up some black lights to glow, go along with their glow theme. We're looking for 10 people to sign up, and we'll have two shifts total, one from 3 to 5.15 and another from 5.15 to 7.30. You can sign up at the next steps table in the foyer, 
and we've helped with this the past two years. And it's a great way to meet people and be a blessing to the school. Next are Point Mallard Family Nights, August 8th at 6 p.m. This will be all campuses of Lindsay Lane down in Decatur. The tickets are on sale now with each family receiving two free tickets. And we encourage you to invite people, come to the fellowship with us, and it's just a relaxing event at Point Mallard. And finally, we're offering full childcare and preschool and children's service during both services starting August 8th. We really need a lot more volunteers to make this happen. And our goal is to make both services the same and convenient. Now we can't do this without your help, so please consider signing up for a rotation. And that's all we have for today, and we'll see you next time. Not on yet. There it is. That's all I've got for you today. If you're a guest, thank you so much for coming. We just ask you to turn that Connect card into the bucket at the back as you walk out. If you're a member, now's the time when you can go ahead and get your tithe ready. We don't ask our guests to give, but if you're a member, we ask you to give uh, to the Lord so that ministry can continue here at North. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not used to doing this. This is not something I normally do. Um, I'm so nervous talking in front of you guys. I like to sing, uh, but I'm not used I'm, I'm doing all kinds of stuff with my hands. Um, anyways. We are blessed. I'm thankful for the baptisms we had. Everybody's laughing at me in the back. This is something that uh, everybody's getting a kick out of. So um, anyways, thank you guys. I'm going to pray for us, and then y'all can turn your offering in as you leave, and we'll be dismissed. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, just for time to, to worship you today and to sit under your teaching. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for our pastor and, God, just the message you've given through him. Lord, I thank you, uh, God, for Jesus most of all, and I pray that Jesus will be glorified. Uh, and, uni and that we would unify underneath the banner of Jesus Christ alone. Lord, we thank you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can be dismissed.